The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are simply that, opinions. All are presumed innocent until proven otherwise in a court of law. Sensitive topics are discussed. Discretion is advised. Today on the Court TV podcast, we go Weinstein in depth and how we got here. From the very first allegation to the news going public to the investigations and finally to a trial set in a Manhattan courtroom in New York City. This is the Court TV podcast with Vinnie Politan and Seema Iyer. Welcome to the Court TV podcast. I'm Vinnie Politan, seated here at a table at Court TV, and across from me, Seema Iyer, who is literally chomping at the bit today because we are talking about Harvey Weinstein. Yes. A case, a trial that you own. Okay? You have ownership of it. I, I, I believe that no one covering this story or this case knows more, cares more, and has more insight into it than you do. I put a lot of pressure on I, you. I, that is a lot of pressure. And thank you, And thank you, my friend. Absolutely. And since cameras aren't allowed in the courtroom, we're also going to be covering other trials, like the one we're covering right now. Yes. Ohio versus Daniel and Jessica Groves, the mom and dad murder trial, which is underway. And this is, I mean, first of all, it's heartbreaking. You know, little baby Dylan. It is heartbreaking. How do you defend someone when their baby is found in the bottom of a well? Well, the first thing you do is you ask for severance. Hello, mom yeah. and dad on trial canoodling in the courtroom. Holding hands. Not a fan of that. You know, I, I spoke with their attorney, and these two are still in love. They've been together for 20 years. Oh, gosh. High school sweethearts. Hey, Vinny, you know I love love. Big fan of love. Yeah. Not in the courtroom. Not in justice. Love and justice. I, I, not I, a thing. I don't think it. I don't think it helps them. You know, as a prosecutor, I love it when the defendants are at the table together because wherever they point the finger, it's going to be at someone at the table, and the jury just doesn't care. But the lawyers have a duty to do what is in the best interests of their clients, and these lawyers should have asked for severance. They didn't even ask for it. If no. it's denied, that's one thing. But they didn't even ask for it. And this is a classic case of severance because each defendant is pointing the finger at the other. Yeah, that, and I don't know how the jury distinguishes between a mother and father because this is a, this is literally a family unit. I mean, it's not like okay, it's a it's a baby mama, and yeah, he's got some kids here, he's got some kids there. No, this is an actual family unit with another child, and they've got a baby that they threw down in the well. I'm glad we're covering it though because it is a national epidemic, this opioid crisis, and we are putting a spotlight on it. And this is a family that was not embroiled in drug use. They just got into it, uh, I think, a year before the baby died. It's absolutely tragic, and I, I understand all of that. I just don't know if the jury um, can sympathize with parents because the victim here is little Dylan, who was relying upon oh, mom and dad for gosh. every. Thing. So anyway, uh, so check back with us uh, for more on that case. In the meantime, Seema, can you believe that we're here? I cannot believe that we're here. I cannot believe that it's finally happened where that we are on the precipice of one of the biggest trials this country has ever seen in decades. And we'll be covering it gavel to gavel. Absolutely. And, and, and the reason it's so big is because of obviously who Harvey Weinstein is, but what it represents and how it has changed 
our culture here in the United States. But let's let's figure this whole thing out. Yeah. Where, where do we start? Where did this whole thing start? So the, this started, you know, there's so many accusers as we sit here now. There's close to 90 accusers. But it started with just one, and it started back in March of 2015. That was when the very first accuser came forward. Her name is Ambra Batilana Gutierrez. She's an Italian model of Filipino descent. And she claimed that Weinstein lunged at her breasts, groped them, and tried to put his hand up her skirt in a Manhattan office in March of 2015. 2015. This is back in 2015. She was the very first person who came forward. I never heard of it back in 2015. Why is that? Well, it took a long time before the investigation started, which we are going to talk about in an upcoming segment today. But when this happened, she was only 22 years old. She's about 25 now. Uh, yes. And so I'm sorry, she's probably like, 29, 20, that was four years ago, right? right? So she's 26. She owns the trial, but not men. So, Ambra uh, went, she did the right thing. She went to the police right away. She spoke to investigators from NYPD's Special Victims Division. And what they did, Vinny, they put a hidden microphone on her to confront Weinstein the next day at the Tribeca Grand Hotel. So she did that, and we actually have the transcript from that encounter from back, and this was on March 27, 2015. This is a real investigation, and this, and this is back real in 2015. This is a real investigation, but nobody knew about it because she was the only one, and it wasn't until actually many months later. So this was March. It wasn't until October 2015 when Ashley Judd, accused an unnamed mogul of sexual harassment, not assault. So when Amber came forward in March of 2015, there was nothing else going on with respect to Harvey Weinstein. So and she's she, going to wear a wire. She wears a wire and she meets him at the Tribeca Grand Hotel. And this is in the in his hotel room. And uh, Weinstein says to her, I'm telling you right now, get in here. Gutierrez, what do we have to do here? Weinstein, nothing. I'm going to take a shower. You sit there and have a drink. She tells him that she doesn't drink. And this exchange goes on. He says, have a glass of water. She's saying to come into that bathroom. And she keeps saying, I don't want to. I'm sorry. I cannot. He says, no, come in here. And then she refers, Vinny, to the day before. Trying to get the confession. Trying to get the confession. And she says, yesterday was kind of aggressive for me. He says, I know. She says, I need to know a person to be touched. That's what she says to him. And he says, I won't do a thing. And she says, I don't want to be touched. Now, again, he keeps asking her to sit with him, to go in with him. Then she, he says, Weinstein, it says, go to the bathroom. She says, please, I don't want to do something. I don't want to. Again, he says, go to the bathroom. Come here. Listen to me. This exchange keeps going on. She says she's embarrassed. She says she doesn't feel comfortable. And it continues. And then he says... I'm not going to do anything. I swear on my children. Please come in. I'm a famous guy. Again, this continues, and she finally says, why yesterday you touched my breast? He says, I'm sorry. Just come on in. I'm used to that. Is that a confession? She says, you're used to that? 
He says, yes, come in. I think that could be seen as a confession. And then it goes on. He says, I won't do it again. Come on. So I won't, I won't do, it, do again. it again. He That's says that. Huge. And this is all, this was all recorded by that device. And then it was exposed in the New Yorker later on. Right. So explain this to me. As this is happening, is this a situation where someone is listening to this live? Because it seems to me she's almost putting herself in, in harm's way. She says she's sexually assaulted by someone or, or, or molested or groped you know, the day before. They put a wire on her. Are they monitoring all of this? Because when I watch SVU on television, right, Law & Order SVU, which is the special yes. victims unit, there's always, they're, they're like in a van downstairs. They're ready to break in and, and make an arrest at that moment. Do, do we do? Do we know more about the, no. the, the whole okay. situation we, here and we, what they're trying to accomplish? We don't know more. What I believe, just from having worked in the NYPD for a long time, and because it's just one invest, it, it's one allegation and one taping that there would not be a van outside. It's not like a drug deal where you have all the players involved because with the drug deal, it's set up beforehand, right? And you right. you have some kind of probable cause to even set that situation up. This is different because she agrees to be wired. There's, you know, New York is a one-party consent, so as long as one party's consenting to taping the recording, then it's, it's, legal. it's, it's legal. And there still may not be enough at that point, which we can also talk about, there's, which we're going to talk about in a second, is yeah. that is there enough to then prosecute him? So right. that's why it wasn't done live. If it was done live, they that would have required a lot more corroboration before Amber. Before Amber. So, so, so you heard that. Are they building a case here? It, it, I mean, if he says again, and you've got the the testimony of her, do they need more corroboration? Why? Why not at this point? Go forward. I think it's a confession. He admits to groping. He says he's used to behaving that way. I think it's very uh, clear that this is something that he's done before, and he doesn't seem to fight her on it, and he seems to acknowledge what happened the day before. However, I hate to say this, but now we, it's all been out there. Two weeks later, the Manhattan district attorney decided not to press charges. So, Does and, that surprise you? You've, you've tried cases in Manhattan for how many years? You've represented people for more than a decade in that same jurisdiction. It is, it, I mean, where does this fall in the, in the— It doesn't surprise me because, see, when Cyrus Vance came into office, so I was there during, you know, between the last DA and when Cyrus Vance came into office, you know, he's someone who's much more of a political figure. He's not someone who's tried cases. He's not like me and you who's been in front of juries. Right. He was very uh, much of a figurehead. And so a lot of his decisions are based on what— else is going on in a particular industry. So let's look back at March 2015, Harvey Weinstein still at his pinnacle of success. Power. Power. Right. There are no other accusers. Uh, you don't know, as we sit here today, we don't know who's c contributing to what campaign and what's happening right. Well, let me ask you this. That. Let me ask you this, though. Let's say it's John Doe who did this to a woman. Oh, 100%. There would be charges? 100%. Be no, no. They, 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 would they even this need is the wire? Happening. Oh, would I they think even I... need the wire? Or could could someone say, "Listen, this this happened to me last night. This guy, you know, touched me. I didn't give him permission. Why is he not being arrest him?" I think yes, they would. I have had cases as a defense attorney and seen cases as a prosecutor in New York City, Manhattan, where there have been no 
witnesses, no fingerprints, no DNA, nothing to corroborate a sexual groping, but just a complainant, a witness coming forward saying, he did this to me. So yes, I believe this could have been enough to at least start the process and charge him with a misdemeanor. A misdemeanor. Something. Yes. Something, right? I agree. All right. So that's so that's where Amber so that's where Amber Gutierrez that's where it ended at this point for her with no charges. But for our listeners and to get ready for this trial, I think it's important to know that she was the person who started all of this in the public eye. Right. But she came forward, she went to police. Now, like I was saying, back in 2015, I didn't hear anything about this, right? But when everyone started hearing about things is when two incredibly powerful articles came out. Investigative journalists from the New York Times, Ronan Farrow and The New Yorker published articles which completely changed everything in Harvey Weinstein's world and in our world. And we're going to talk about that when we come back. Follow Court TV live over the air, uninterrupted. If you're watching television with an antenna, just rescan your channels now to add Court TV. And go to CourtTV.com to see the exact channel position and more ways to watch Court TV in your area. So it's the fall of 2017, October, and two articles come out that absolutely blow this story up, blow up the world and life of Harvey Weinstein, and I think basically really get this thing moving towards where we are now, which is in a courtroom. I mean, this is, this is unbelievable that it's journalists that have to do this. Of course, but it blew up Hollywood. It blew up television. It blew up film. It blew up every major medium that we know. It blew up media because, yes, it was journalists that began this investigation uh, into Harvey Weinstein and, frankly, his empire. Absolutely. And there's two articles. One's in the New York Times, comes out on October 5th. The other's in the New Yorker, comes out on October 10th. And I'm going to start with the Times article because if you look at it big picture, right, um, there's a, they're talking about an investigation, and I'm going to read directly from the article. An investigation by the New York Times found previously undisclosed allegations against Mr. Weinstein stretching over nearly three decades, documented through interviews with current and former employees and film industry workers, as well as legal records, emails, and internal documents from the business he has run, Miramax and the Weinstein Company. So they looked at everything here, and and. Three decades, Seema, three decades it took. Nobody was, nothing happened to this man. There were no uh, serious repercussions for his actions for three decades, according to this investigation. And now, since Core TV has been investigating, we have spoken to accusers as far back as 1978. Wow. 1978. How powerful was he in 78? He I never, was not. He was just an up-and-coming producer. He and his brother had a small company. I think they were based out of Buffalo, New York, but they were very young. They were just up-and-coming. And even then, he made inappropriate and violent sexual advances to women. So... That's who he is, and it's not necessarily a, a product of the amount of power that he wielded. But once you have that power and that money and the ability to turn people into Oscar winners and make 
careers, then, then it changes the game. What's interesting, what I found here first is that the New York Times points out in the people they spoke to, there's sort of a common narrative uh, that the women have, have told them that women would report to a hotel Right. He'd have a meeting and it would be in a hotel. And yeah. of course, it's about work or a part. And then they find out that um, things are a little different once they get there. Sometimes he's like wearing a robe. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Asking for massages. There are a few hallmarks. The hotel rooms, the bathroom, the robe, the shower, the massages, uh, his <laughs> A lot of accusations involve his belly and rubbing of the belly. So there are these hallmarks that just almost create a pattern. Right. And what's persuasive to me from the from the Times article is that they talk about um, these women didn't know each other. So yes. you're getting stories from different. It's one thing if, like, there's a story in the public and then there's a potential that someone could give a copycat story. Right. But these women range in ages from their 20s to their 40s. They're in different places. They don't know each other. Yet the, the the story just seems so common. It's it's so cliched. And it's also cliche. it's, it's totally cliche, but it's also when you say range, there's a range of between assistants and uh actresses that are well known, actresses that are completely not known, producers. I mean, there's just a gamut of occupations, ages, and types. Now, the, the, what we have to understand here, and I think this has to be and this kind of gets mushed together sometimes when you start talking about this type of behavior about the line between harassment yeah. and criminal sexual behavior because there's a distinct difference, right? You can harass someone and not be criminally, not break any criminal law, but you of could course. be sued civilly for that, that harassment. And usually the law recognizes the line between harassment and criminality is often touching, is often the physical contact. And the then un, the unwanted, unwanted, exactly. How, exactly. About, how about though, um, just the fact I invite you to my hotel room, I'm walking around in a robe, and suddenly I'm naked in front of you. That's a good question, right? That is a good question. I think it could still, it could rise to the level of criminality, but still under the harassment. And harassment in most states is either a violation, which is not a crime, or a misdemeanor. So that's, I mean, I think, I think that's a very important part that you're bringing out for our listeners. Uh, and that is the line. So that when you're, when you're doing something like that, that's the line. So in the, in the New York Times article, there's a lot of discussion about, I, I would say there's more discussion of the harassment than the criminal behavior. There is some in the New York Times You know article. why, and we're going to get into this in the next segment, is because it took a while for people to come forward. Even though the articles were there and people were talking to the journalists, the criminality and those accusations and those investigations did not come. Think about it, Vinny. I, we just talked about our first accuser, Amber Gutierrez, in March of 2015, and now you're talking about the, in, the journalists' investigations, which did not come out till the week of October 5th, 2017. It took over two years for all of this to unfold. Now, in the Times article, one of the headlines was Ashley Judd is mentioned in it, right? And she says, um, again, the massage. She refuses. He suggests a shoulder rub. She rejects that. Uh, he steers her towards a closet, asking her to pick out clothing for the day, then towards the bathroom. Would she watch him take a shower? So that type of behavior there, that's not criminal. 
That's not a criminal allegation. Right. And so, right. So in Ashley Judd in October 2015, when she accused him, it was of sexual harassment. And uh, that was it. But then later on, she added to her lawsuit uh, defamation. Now, in just recently, in January of 2018, her sexual harassment lawsuit was dismissed in Los Angeles federal court with the judge ruling that the allegations did not fall within the scope of the statute that she sued under. However, her she has a defamation claim against Weinstein that he blackballed her after she refused his advances. And that part of that action, that civil federal action is continuing. Now, the second article in the New Yorker, this is the one Ronan Farrow, Mia Farrow's son. Yes. Not related to Frank Sinatra. No, and I will say, listen, a little sidebar, sidebar. So, you know, I worked with him at MSNBC and he is intense. He, he's no, he's just, you know, he's one of those people where he's gotten this, you know, like this Hollywood royalty brought up. He is a lawyer, went to law school, didn't practice, but such a decent guy. And I, I'm so impressed with his work because he kind of had this, you know, like this golden child. Right. And, and he didn't have to ever work for it, but look at him, like he worked for it and he's done some just spectacular work that's changed the world. Now in this article, the allegations I think are much more severe and, and, and fall, cross that line from harassment into the world of criminal behavior, and I think this article, more than the New York Times article, I think made people say, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. We understand the casting couch and all that, but this is this is way over that line. For example, the, what is it, Asia Argento? Asia Argento. Okay. Um, Italian film actress alleges that Weinstein uh, told her to forcibly perform oral sex on her. And she feared that Weinstein would crush her in the business, that she would be done if she didn't do it. Right. Um, you, you look at the, the total numbers that they put together in this article. Uh, Ronan Farrell says he was told by 13 women uh, that between the 90s and 2015, Weinstein sexually harassed or assaulted them. Three of the women told me that Weinstein had raped them. So this, I think, woke everyone up and said, wait a minute, this guy is not. We're not talking about, hey, sleep with me, you get a part in this movie that's going to make your career. No, this is someone forcibly um, taking advantage of, of, of women. Yes, and the assault part, Vinny, it, go, it ranges from misdemeanors where there's only a one-year max in prison to felonies where you could get life in prison. And in fact, Harvey Weinstein is facing life in prison. Now, there is a response that they put from Weinstein in the article, and, and, and in fairness, this is going to be a big part of the case, too. And, and, and the, it reads, any allegations of non-consensual sex are unequivocally denied by Mr. Weinstein. Mr. Weinstein has further confirmed that there were never any acts of retaliation against any women for refusing his advances. So they're just going consent that any, any relationships he had were consensual. He didn't force himself on anyone. And from speaking to the lawyer for Harvey Weinstein, I think that is what's going to happen at trial. Now, those articles, the New York Times expose, the New Yorker, that is what propelled not only national investigations, Vinny, into Harvey Weinstein, but international. And we're going to talk about that next.
For more Court TV, watch it on cable, over the air, Roku, or go to CourtTV.com and stream live gavel-to-gavel coverage. Catch up on the big moments from our current cases and relive some of Court TV's most historic trials. Court TV, your front row seat to justice. So, Vinny, the week the New York Times and the New Yorker exposés came out, that very week, law enforcement didn't respond, but the Weinstein Company did. I think this is so interesting. On October 6, 2017, so that's the week between the October 5th and October 10th articles, the Weinstein Company orders an investigation of allegations. Isn't that cool that they did this internal investigation? I think it's important that people know this. They yeah. took this seriously. Yeah, well, finally. Finally, finally right. <laughs> finally, but, but okay, so now here's the deal. They, they kept uh, Weinstein on. They didn't fire him, but... Before the October 10th New Yorker article. So this is that week. All this stuff is happening. October 8th, Weinstein fired from the company. So that is really where the investigation started. And I think the public should find some comfort in that. That even before law enforcement got involved, that the company did take this seriously. Maybe it took them a while. May, we don't. We can't accuse them. We don't know what they knew. Right. We really don't. Bob Weinstein has always maintained that he did not know that there was non-consensual activity happening. So let's leave it at that. Uh, again, we're still waiting for real law enforcement, but in on October 11, 2017, the day after the New Yorker article, just a few days after the New York Times expose, the LAPD responds to a family disturbance at the Weinstein house, a 911 call from their Los Angeles home where Weinstein's daughter uh, allegedly, we can't confirm this, uh, made suicidal threats. Isn't that sad? That's, because that's, yeah. it really takes you inside what's happening in that household. He has a family. He has right. kids. And this is what's happening. But finally, that week, finally, law enforcement takes this seriously. And now we're talking about October, around October 12, 2017. That's the date we have that New York City and London law enforcement open investigations. Now, police departments in both of these cities, they began their investigations. The NYPD, and this is important later, they start looking into a 2004 incident in which Weinstein allegedly committed sexual assault against an actress. That actress is Lucia Evans. Her case was ultimately dismissed because of this uh, inappropriate police investigation by the detective. His name is Detective Nicholas DeGaudio. And he had some information that uh, a, a witness provided. He didn't give it to the DA's office in time. And ultimately that charge was dismissed. That same day that New York City and London opened investigations, Rose McGowan finally, after alluding to an accused, alluding to Harvey Weinstein doing something wrong to her, that day she Says gives his, his name. name. Exactly. Gives his name. Exactly. So these articles seem to, uh, because the, the the number of people involved just in these articles, I think, gave power to individuals to come forward and, and name names and not fear the repercussions that if I say something, my career is over. Yes. But do you think that's OK? Like, what are your feelings about the fact that journalists are acting as investigators and investigators aren't? 
Right. Because NYPD knew this. But, but yeah, absolutely. And, and that's, to me, that's problematic. But there's two parts of this. I think the other part is you need, just like in the R. Kelly case, you need victims to come forward to, to try your cases, right? So in this case, I can understand, and this is what the, the articles talked about, that the women talked about, that there was such a fear that my career would be over if I said no, if I said anything. How can I? And it's so cliched, but it's so true. And this but is now, what... But now that he's outed. Right. And everyone knows he's he no longer has any of this power. It's all gone. But remember you were saying this, and this was in our offices about Mira Sorvino. All that we were wondering, what happened to her? She was a hot commodity, a huge star, and then she just disappeared. Right, because okay, she said no. She said no, she stopped getting parts. Yeah. And Ashley Judd claims the same thing. Now, just a few days later, just about a week after New York and London started investigating Harvey Weinstein, the LAPD begun their investigation, joining cases from New York City and London. And they confirm that on October 19th, they met with an Italian actress who says that Weinstein sexually assaulted her, where? In a hotel. And that was from 2013. Now, at that point, she was the sixth woman to accuse Weinstein of criminal sexual acts. Criminal sexual acts. And yes. again, we have to, because it just gets much, don't you feel like it gets conflated oh, all yes. the time, the, yeah. the behavior? And and again, you've got to make, a, a, there's a difference between criminal behavior and sexual harassment. Neither one of them's good, right? Neither one of them's good, but sexual harassment does not get criminally prosecuted. So where that line is, so when you, we talk about accusers, there's two types, uh, but this is the sixth Alleged criminal behavior. Right. And so, again, That's because right because harassment can be civil, that is why, as we sit here today, Harvey Weinstein has both civil and criminal allegations or cases against him, and he has both federal and state cases against him. Now, uh, a civil rights investigation was initiated just a week after that, October 23rd, 2017, and that was by the New York Attorney General. So that is, so again, more investigations are picking up in different type of jurisdictions where we're talking about federal. Now, let me, let me ask you this. Why do you think they do these investigations? Is it because it's a headline case or, or, or do you think that, hey, th this is something that needs to get done? CYA. 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 Cover your ass. I think everybody's covering their ass now. I think everyone was freaking out because when, you know, because of the New Yorker and the New York Times, that put Cy Vance, Manhattan District Attorney, in the spotlight saying, wait a minute, you knew this in 2015 and you did nothing and you shut it down in two weeks. They didn't have to arrest Harvey Weinstein back in March of 2015, but they certainly could have opened an investigation. There was no time limit to do that. They could have just been investigating him, but they didn't. They just shut Ambra Gutierrez down. Yeah. So that's why the New York Attorney General gets involved, too. Everybody said, you know what, we need to start taking this seriously. And how can the LAPD not take it seriously? He's based in L.A. We're talking about Hollywood. And now uh, a special task force was then assembled in November of 2017, and that was by the Los Angeles County District Attorney. So they also got you know more involved, not just on the police level, but on the prosecutor level as well. So when we say investigation, what, what do we think is taking place here? I mean, are they, do they already have leads? Are they seeking leads? What are they doing? And this is what happened with, so Detective Nicholas DeGaudio, I, you know what, I don't want to say this for sure, but I have heard reports that he actually went overseas to investigate and speak to victims. So when you say, what are they doing? I think they're taking, uh, 
detectives from the special victims unit and they're going through every name they can find of accusers, trying to speak to accusers, trying to speak to employees, trying to speak to family members, trying to speak to former assistants. I don't know if I said that already, but you know, just as many people as possible. That's what I think an investigation is. And what's the, what's the danger here also from investigators? Because Harvey Weinstein is extremely famous, extremely rich or was rich. I'm sure he's still got money, but how, how do you, once it becomes public, right, and it's a thing now, right, how do you interview people, investigate a case where there's an incentive for some people to perhaps falsely Love make the question. Love the question. Love the answer. Okay, here it comes. You cannot lead your accuser. You have to ask open-ended questions. You can't ask leading questions. And I think it's really important. And there are techniques where they teach investigators, uh, police officers, how to question victims of sexual assault. Because if you put any word, like, for example, did he grope your breast? You can't do that. You have to ask, like, what happened? What happened next? Where did it happen? What happened next? Don't say, like, did he take you to a hotel room? Was it in a bar? Did he give you alcohol? Like, you got to just be like, what happened next? What happened next? What was, what What did, what did he look like? What did you look like? What, you know, really open-ended. Kind of like a direct examination in a trial. You cannot, you can't, if you lead him, then it becomes, what's like the problem? like a cross, yeah, exactly. Uh, so, again, so this, this, uh, the investigations continue to move forward. In February of 2018, New York Attorney General sues the Weinstein Company for civil rights Violation. So this ends up including the entire company. And uh, finally, on May 23rd, Weinstein becomes the subject of a federal investigation. And then two days later, Friday, May 25th, 2018, Weinstein turns himself in and criminal charges are filed against him. And there we go. That's when this really starts. And on May 30th, just five days later, a grand jury indicts Harvey Weinstein on two counts of rape. It took a lot to get there. And that's not even the end of it. And when we come back, we'll discuss all that has happened since. Follow Court TV live over the air, uninterrupted. If you're watching television with an antenna, just rescan your channels now to add Court TV. And go to CourtTV.com to see the exact channel position and more ways to watch Court TV in your area. So, Vinny, what is going on in the world of Weinstein? How do we get here? Let's catch everyone up. First issue is why the delay in the trial? Yeah, this I think the case got stronger for prosecutors. I think that's the the, the takeaway from all of it because now you've got uh, more witnesses who will be testifying. But and, it got stronger because the prosecutors got desperate, Vinny. They got desperate because they only had two accusers on the original indictment. One was from 2006. One was from 2013. The 2013 accuser, we still know her as a Jane Doe, okay? And the two thir- 2013 accuser, allegedly had a consensual on-again, off-again relationship with Harvey Weinstein. So it's harder to prove. Well, that's much more difficult. Much, much, much more difficult. So prosecutors... Need some star power. Very... Well, (laughs) 
I don't think you necessarily need a celebrity. You need a credible witness. And this person may be, in fact, both. Annabella Sciorra, she was proffered to testify as a prior bad act witness in the original hearing, which took place on April 26th of 2019. But then what they did was they brought her in, they put her in the grand jury, and now she is a supporting witness for the top charges of predatory sexual assault. Right. And 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 I'm being serious when I say star power, okay? Uh, I have seen the power of celebrities in a courtroom. Usually they're defendants. Yeah, yeah. And and many times that helps them. I mean, there was a point at Court TV where there was a streak of celebrity after celebrity that was walking out of the courtroom, including Robert Blake, Beretta, oh, right. yeah. who Beretta. said I could not have <laughs> killed my wife because I was in the restaurant getting my gun because I left it at the table. Okay, that was the defense. Anyhow, uh, so the, the power of celebrities, just because they are people who um, I think the, the general public, uh, you know, we have a natural inclination to kind of like them and want to believe sure, them. Sure, sure. And there's just something that happens when you put a celebrity in the courtroom. Now, Annabelle Sciorra is a celebrity. And in your analysis, I would argue that Harvey Weinstein is not because he hasn't been an on-camera presence unlike a Bill Cosby. So we have not Absolutely. been raised to uh, have affection for Harvey Weinstein. We no. just know him. Not America's right. dad. No. Not even like America's. I don't think he's America's stepdad. Or Uncle Buck or, or whatever. bad uncle. No, he's or, he, he, bad grandpa, whatever yeah. you want to call this guy. No, he, he's, he became famous for being infamous, right? I don't know sure. if that's even proper English. Sure, but sure. No, yeah, that's He became exactly famous it. because of this controversy. This is how the, the rest of um, the public got to know him. People, the insiders in Hollywood and people who watched perhaps the, the uh, award shows oh, like very buffs. closely yeah, yeah. may know who he was or who he is. But um, for the life of me, I think many members of the public probably couldn't pick, pick him out of a lineup before this. Yeah. But Annabelle Sciorra, I mean, she was in The Sopranos. Come on. Come she on. was in The Sopranos, I know, but see, the greatest see, I don't television like program have, of all oh, time before Court TV went you back on the You give people credibility just for being part of Italian programming. Really, I mean, that's it. No, 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 no. Or Law & Order. The greatest. I think she was in Law & Order as well. Uh, but it was the, Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, right, that. that's right. The greatest television show. At, well, I would say greatest scripted show because our shows on Court TV are unscripted. Uh, okay, because I was going to say then I'd argue with you The Bachelor is the greatest show. Better than Core TV? Look uh, at that. Honestly, she, yeah. She just and you there. know, you know who you know who'll back me up with that? Who? Ted Rollins. Oh, Ted Rollins. Ted Rollins, who uh hello, uh takes naps before The Bachelor so he can stay up late. That is unreal. <laughs> you, okay. You, you two are out of control. It's, uh, I'm that's watching like that's the why, news. That's why we don't invite you to our bachelor parties right. where we have Skinny Pop and Pinot Noir. Okay, so but I think the she news. becomes an incredible potential witness sure. for prosecutors. Like you never know what's going to happen on cross examination. But I think out of the box, if I had to predict one of these accusers to be the most compelling on the witness stand, it is going to be her. And I just want to catch our listeners up on the allegations involving uh, Annabella Shearer's claims, and that is Harvey Weinstein allegedly raped her between the winter months of 1993 to 1994. She is unable to pinpoint a date down. However, uh, she claims that she told friends right away, so there was that immediate outcry, and prosecutors did go to great lengths to find a date. They won't have a date. However, that's just fodder for cross-examination, of course. And... Uh, 
she could not, uh, excuse me, he could not be charged with her claims because of the statute of limitations that existed at the time in 1993, 1994. So she is just a supporting witness to the predatory charge. And like I say, an insurance policy, because you need two, you need two victims to believe this jury has to believe two people in order to find him guilty of the top count, which he faces life in prison. That's the big one. I mean, everything is at stake here. You know, this is, this is not a trial where, oh, okay, if he's found guilty, you get a slap on the wrist or there'll be some, no, no, he's facing life in prison. That's unreal. Yeah. Think about it. Life in prison, gone forever. And now we know he's facing a lot more than life in prison. You could add on to that. Okay. So, uh, During the first day of pretrial conferences before jury selection of the Harvey Weinstein trial, the Los Angeles District Attorney's Office does a press conference and announces two felony counts of sexual crimes against Harvey Weinstein. Wow. He's been indicted. This is this is unreal. So he's on the East Coast in New York City getting ready for his sex assault trial where he's facing life in prison. And on the eve of jury selection, the DA on the other coast, yeah, out on the left coast, holds a press conference. Of all days to do it, holds a press conference to announce more charges against Harvey. Not helpful at all. It was already the top story in the news, but now it becomes a bigger story. So for every potential juror this is insane. that was walking through the door in, in New York, this now has the potential of, of them understanding or hearing the name Harvey Weinstein. Exactly, because, okay, so you get jury service notice, right? And you're going to 100 Center Street. So you don't know what floor you're going to be on. There are... 15 floors. Actually, there are 17 floors in that building. But you could be on any floor. You could be across the street. There's 100 Center Street. Across the street is another criminal building, 111. You could be in either building on any floor. And you may even be removed from the Harvey Weinstein story. You may not even remember that it's on. But then all you get happens. that alert. All of this. Ha- I mean, it's all it's blown up on people's phones, on yes. the nightly news, on the national news, morning radio. Talk- I mean, it is everywhere everywhere, which is problematic because it's right on the eve of jury selection. And and this is the thing. I think in some strange way, and I always say this, Seema, that this could potentially help the defense. How? Because we, who's going to be left? Who are the people that are going to be fair and impartial or people who have not heard about this? These are people that are oblivious to what's happening. Like homeless people. Not necessarily homeless people, but just people who are very removed from all this. And it's, it was the same effect in, in the Casey Anthony trial. That thing was so huge. But who they were left with for that jury were people who like came in as reasonable doubters. There was like a presumption of reasonable doubt in, in the way that they were hearing this evidence and the burden of proof. And I think the same potentially could happen here because of all the publicity. Who's, who has not formed an opinion about this? And those people are going to be absolutely better for the defense. I hope they can find them. I hope they can find them. Okay, but let me just add a little bit more uh, information to these L.A. charges. Now, originally, Court TV, we have been in touch with the LADA's office for the past few months, and we got information that they had six cases they were investigating. And then we heard it was eight cases. And then during actually the holidays, uh, I had been uh, in touch with the deputy DA in charge of this case, Paul Thompson. And uh, 
I didn't know it was going to come out <laughs> right as when it did. But when it came out, there are now two charges, two, two accusers. The accusations are that Harvey Weinstein committed crimes against two women in a two-day period in February of 2013. Interesting. One of those women is a prior bad act witness in the New York trial. Wow. So, so this is crazy. So, so we're going to get be, a preview. She'll be testifying in the New York case, not as a as an accuser slash victim, but as uh, another victim. Yes, but, sir. But not charged in the indictment. But then when the case comes back to L.A., she's the victim of the case. Yeah. It, I mean, it's powerful. It's better for New York than for L.A., though, because when they that case is tried in L.A., all of a sudden she's been cross-examined once already, and then she'll have to make sure all of her versions of what happened is very consistent, which is difficult oh, yeah, for anyone. Yeah, Even when yeah, you're telling the truth, yeah. it's it's difficult for your story to be exactly the same. Especially when it happened so long ago. Wow. Oh, and here's something else interesting. This woman, the same woman, uh, I, I, she, or actually, I, I, I want to just let me be clear. There's, there's two women, and one of the women told like three people when it happened. So that really helps her story. So how do you think all of this, big picture, how all of this plays? Because all of these um, cases are relatively old. They're not, they're not new. It didn't happen yesterday. So That's right. So how difficult do you think that will be for prosecutors to explain to the jury? Because to me, that is the key to, to the prosecution case. You've got to explain that to them, let them know why. For over three decades, rape trauma expert witnesses are allowed to testify to educate the jury about this syndrome that is experienced by victims of sexual assault. It is some, it is not new. This is like DNA. People get it. People understand when you are, uh, almost under the spell of your, uh, perpetrator, right? And and Harvey Weinstein is it's more complicated because it's not just someone who committed a uh sexually violent crime against you, but someone who had control over you, perhaps financially or career-wise or career prospects. So all of this will be explained to the jury. Dr. Barbara Ziv is on the prosecution's witness list to testify about that. Uh, the other point I want to mention, and that Harvey Weinstein could have been put in jail based upon this new case in L.A., but <laughs> Judge Burke did, uh, did the presiding judge uh, in said New in New York, thank you, said uh, no. And, and the prosecutor, Jonah Luzzi, asked for remand, and he said no. So Remand, wanted him locked up during his trial in New yeah, York. But which is reasonable. He'll still be free to wheel himself in and out of the courtroom. Now. <laughs> and and um, uh, another note, he's facing 28 years in California on those, case, on those charges. All right. Goes from bad to worse for Harvey Weinstein, but we'll see uh, how it all turns out. We shall see. And to see our coverage, watch us on Court TV. I mean, and there are people listening to podcasts think that we're just podcasters. <laughs> no, no, no. We're actually on yeah, television. Yeah, where's that, Joe? <laughs> on the Court TV network. And and our signal is is broadcast across the country. And if you have a digital antenna, make sure you scan it and rescan it so you can get our signal and watch the trials and watch Please our coverage. Please rescan. As it is all happening. Thank you all so much for listening. See you next time. This podcast is a production of Court TV. Go to CourtTV.com for more content, trials on demand, and to find out how to watch Court TV in your area.